welcome to Fireside Number One of Transition to Hope. This is a series of firesides called Introducing Christianity to Latter-day Saints. I'm Albert Spaulding, and I'd like to welcome you this evening. We're in studio at Cornerstone Baptist Church on 12 Mile Road in Roseville. Today is January 15, and today we're going to do an introduction to uh, the, the subject of introducing Christianity to Latter-day Saints. Uh, the basic uh, uh, sort of theme that we're going to follow throughout of this is uh, in this sort of big word here, epistemology. And to explain that, let me tell you a really quick little story. Um, my father-in-law uh, and my wife were driving along in a car. I was in the back seat. And my father-in-law had, you know, good, good, we had a good relationship. Uh, but every once in a while, he kind of showed that he didn't think I was all that sharp. Uh, and so, for example, one time he said to uh, my wife as she was driving, if we stopped right now and let Bert out, my, I go by Bert, my name is Albert, uh, if we let Bert out, could he find his way home? And, um, and so uh, I, I, I'm in the backseat going, what? I mean, you know, I can't find my way home. And, um, and then another time, uh, he asked me a question. He said, what's the distance between New York City and Sacramento, California? And I'm thinking, well, you know, I, I've driven to California. I've driven to New York. Uh, I kind of know the, the two. I could put them together. But let me, let me pull up my phone, and I'll look it up. And as I'm looking it up, he turns around. He sees me out of the corner of my eye looking at my, my smartphone, and he says to my wife, he has to look it up on his computer. And so that kind of made me realize um, there are different ways to know things. I can try to figure out the difference between New York and, and California by piecing together my experiences and thinking about the distances. Or I can look it up on Google Maps or somewhere, something else. Um, and, the, and, and, the, and the idea is the answer I get from each of those might be different. Uh, my cobbling together of the miles on, uh, on, uh, my, from my memory might yield a different answer than what it would say f on Google Maps from New York to Sacramento. So what we know is very often dependent upon how we got there. And epistemology is just uh, a, a way of saying, uh, how do I know where I, what I know about what is? And how do I know what I know about what ought to be? And philosophers over the years have struggled with this sort of tension between what is and what ought to be. Area of ethics, an area that I work in quite a bit. Uh, and so uh, allow that sort of question to be floating in the back of our minds as we go through this series. Uh, so as we get started, uh, this, this series is... Uh, going to be uh, sort of framed around and organized around a book uh, by a friend, uh, Eric Johnson, uh, and uh, it's called Introducing to Mormons. Uh, I, the, the series that, that, that we're calling this is actually Introducing Christianity to Latter-day Saints. I know the publisher probably preferred the word Mormons, but we're going to try to use the term Latter-day Saints uh, in this series uh, as often as we can in lieu of Mormons because that's the preference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints these days. So we're going to be respectful and, and try to follow that. Um, the, the chapters or the topics that we're going to cover, uh, uh, cover a lot of areas. Uh, we're going to be talking about how do we know what we know about our religion or our faith based on how we use the Bible, uh, how we think about the New Testament, uh, how we think about who God is, how we talk about reason, all of the different ways that we have in, in trying to arrive at what we know um, about faith. And what we, what we can discover is that... Um, what is, in other words, the, 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 the history of Christianity, the history of the New Testament, the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we can look at what is. Those are factual history uh, points of data that we can look at, and we don't have to argue about it. You know, this happened, this happened, this happened. Uh, and so if we have a good idea of the reality of history, there's nothing to argue about. The, the things that, that sometimes get us to discuss things, not necessarily argue, but discuss things among ourselves, is what ought to be. 
And what we're going to discover in this series is the larger the idea we have of what is, the easier it is to come some, uh, to agreement about what ought to be. And you watch for that. You'll see that as we do this series. So, so as we get started, uh, as I mentioned, there's sometimes some tension between um, uh, uh, the discussions between uh, evangelical Christians or followers of Christ or New Testament Christians sort of on the one side and members of the LDS Church on the other side. And so we can ask the question, what do members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints often experience when they discuss faith with New Testament Christians? What would you think the answer would be to, uh, to that? Uh, any, any ideas? What's the experience that Mormons can expect when they interact with Christians and to talk about faith? Triune God, okay. Okay, I hope I didn't break something. Okay, but what about just the interaction? What, what, what about the interaction with, that Mormons would have with Christians? How do you think, that's, how do you think that tends to go from time to time? Okay. So they uh, so there's there's often some confusion. So one of the sort of experiences that can happen when when uh, evangelical Christians or, or gospel oriented New Testament Christians would interact with with uh, Latter Day Saints is there's some confusion because there's a lot of the same terminology that's used. Um, talk to Latter-day Saints, uh, uh, often they will say they have a bad experience when they're talking to Christians. And the reason is because Christians very often, as good as, as it is in their heart, they want to start with explaining what's wrong with the Mormon faith or the Mormon religion. Uh, that's, the, that's the lead, if you will, in, you know, in, that's their first jab, uh, is here's what's wrong with you. Here's what's wrong with you. Here's you got this wrong. You have the Trinity wrong. You have God wrong. You got it all wrong. Well, how does that create much of a conversation? And so what happens? The wall goes right up. Go ahead. Yeah. I had a conversation with a, uh, a, a Mormon, and, and his, he believed that we had a lot of common ground. And that's what right. he, said. he said. We believe right. the same thing. Right. So those, those are sort of two tensions. On the one hand, the... Uh, the, uh, 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 the discussion is friendly, we have common ground, we don't have a lot of common ground, and that's one of the things that we're going to try to sort out in a very gentle and respectful way in this series. Um, but on the other hand, sometimes, well, we don't have a lot of common ground and some tension. Well, I just wanted us to think a little bit about that because uh, uh, we can also ask, ask the question, what should we expect when we discuss faith with members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How, should, how, do, how would we expect them to react? If we're going to try to talk to them about our understanding of the New Testament, our understanding of who Jesus is, our understanding of who God is, uh, how, 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 uh, what, what do you think the reaction would get? we would get from them? Any, any thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes with Mormonism, their faith is based on a feeling. Okay. And whereas faith in faith is based on objective truth of the scriptures. Okay. And whether I believe an objective truth in there sometimes is based on well, how do you know it's true? Well, I feel it's true. Okay. So, so their reaction uh, would uh, let me let me sort of work that around to what I'm 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 trying to trying to think about. Their reaction would be uh, not necessarily that we that we want spend all that much time digging around in the Bible because their primary epistemology may be more of a sense of the leading of the Holy, Holy Ghost, as they would call it, or a burning in, in the bosom they would, they would talk to. So that's a perfect example. They're coming from a slightly different emphasis on their epistemology, whereas a, an evangelical Christian or a New Testament Christian what might want to might want to become a little bit more focused on what the text says in the Bible. So that's good. Any, anything else? All right. Um, let me talk about a couple of other things uh, that, that we can expect when we talk to Latter-day Saints. Uh, one is 
no monolith. In other words, if, 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 if we had seven more uh, Latter-day Saints here tonight and we, and, we, and, we, and we discussed with each one of them, maybe in a separate room or something, and talked to each one personally, we would have a different conversation with each one. That's the, 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 in other words, there isn't, a, uh, there isn't a solid set of talking points that every Latter-day Saint's going to have. Now, there, there can be a more consistent set of talking points in, in, uh, in, in, in Utah, in southern Idaho, especially southern part of, of uh, Utah. Uh, but by and large, especially around the rest of the country, around the rest of the world, that isn't going to be the case. So don't expect, you know, one of the things that, that we sometimes say, well, well, Mormons always say this. No, Mormons don't always say that. Folks, yes, folks will say different things. So we've got to keep that in mind. Oftentimes, uh, Latter-day Saints are really very sensitive because there has been so much tension historically between New Testament Christians or followers of Christ, uh, uh, Bible-believing Christians, and members of the Church of Jesus. And, and so uh, in, in some ways, like you were saying, and uh, they, they will want to try to emphasize what we have in common. And part of that is like, Man, don't beat me up. I mean, we, you know, let's 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 just let's just lower the room temperature in the room a little bit. Start out by talking about what we have in common. So they can really be highly sensitive and uh, even uh, feel hurt if if we sort of hammer them. So we don't want to we want to notice that. On the other hand, the opposite of that, uh, they can be very confident and very assured that. What they've got is right. Joseph Smith, you know, was a prophet, and the Book of Mormon is the word of God, and, and, and really kind of hard-edged. There again, there isn't any one personality. There isn't any one uh, any, uh, tone. We just have to keep that in mind when we're talking with, with Latter-day Saints, just as we would ask them when they're talking to us. Don't paint me with a set of talking points that you understand about Christianity because you, we haven't had a chance to talk yet. So give me a chance to at least let's get to know each other a little bit. Kind of reminds me a little bit when Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well. He didn't start out the conversation explaining how she's worshiping on the wrong mountain and they got the wrong uh, uh, testimony and they have the wrong uh, documents they're working. She, he didn't start out. He's, what, how, do, how did he start out? Who remembers? How did Jesus start talking to the woman at the well? Yeah, can I have a glass of water? I mean... Let's, let's, let's make a connection here. By the time they got done, she realized a lot of those things, and Jesus talked about living waters, but that's not how we started. We've got to kind of keep that in mind. Okay. Um, uh, sometimes uh, the, the reactions will be kind, sometimes not. Um, sometimes, and this goes back to Fred, what you were talking about, sometimes there is a willingness to dig in. Let's look at the difference between what we see of Jesus, the, what Jesus is, how Jesus is presented to us in the Bible versus how he's presented to us in the Book of Mormon versus how he's talked about later on in Joseph Smith's life in the Sermon in the Grove or the King Fallon sermon. You know, let, let's, let's dig around. Let's look at the history. Let's look at the history of the manuscripts of the, of the New Testament uh, documents. Let's, 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 get in, let's get in there and, and really learn some things. A more scholarly uh, uh, idea about uh, seeking after the truth, uh, sometimes not. So again, the, the point of this is uh, that we want to just be mindful that uh, everybody is different and, and, and we need to sometimes just simply ask for a glass of water or offer a glass of water. And let that be the beginning of our conversation instead of leading with, here's what you got wrong, here's what you got wrong, here's what you got wrong. We wouldn't react very well if somebody started a conversation with us, and we wouldn't expect somebody else to either. Yes? It's not just about their, their belief, but it's their whole lifestyle. Oh, my goodness. That it's the church that we wish we had, yeah. that everybody's life is involved around the church with everybody else's life. And besides losing their faith, if they question it, they lose all of their friends, family, their trip to heaven. Everything is canceled if you quit the group. We have to really appreciate that. We have to have that in our heart. Uh, I've had the privilege uh, when I was uh, a professor at, at uh, uh, university 
town, and I was involved with apologetics with a group called Rochelle Christie. And in Detroit, at my university, we had a lot of students who were from Dearborn and other areas who were Muslim. And the same thing in, in the Muslim culture, many times, not always, but many times, if a Muslim were to begin to uh, consider the, the claims of Jesus Christ and the idea of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, how he came and he uh, incarnated in, in, into a human being and, and he walked this earth and he lived a perfect life, and he, and, and, but then he was crucified. But then he rose again. And, and as, as a result of that, he paid the price for our sins. Well, that's a that's a paradigm that is that that is much different than the Quran, and so if uh, but 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 it's not just those truth claims, it's that if a Muslim be, begins to consider Jesus and consider a relationship with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to 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 allow him to to repent and trust Jesus, if that begins to happen, what happens in that? in that person's family. Very often it's tragic. And, there, and, 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 and the love bonds with parents and siblings and cousins and co-workers and all of that is just blown up. And we have to be really sensitive to that. And it's the same thing many times in the case of Latter-day Saints. So thanks. I've heard that in certain counties in Utah, especially southern Utah, 90% of the county all belong to the LDS. Yeah, there are some towns. There's some towns where it's 100. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. pretty. You're turning on everybody. So your yeah, your your job, your conversation, even when you go to the grocery store, and you know you're kind of cold shouldered by the cashier. I mean, everywhere you go. So yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, we've kind of talked about that. One of the other things I want to I want to uh, kind of be thinking about is that uh, this, this series is really seeking after truth. And uh, uh, I like this quote from uh, J.P. Moreland. Reality is basically indifferent to show to how sincerely we believe something. It's, let me read that differently. Reality doesn't care uh, about us. I can believe with all my might that my car will fly me to Hawaii or that homosexuality is caused solely by the brain, but that fervency doesn't change a thing. As far as reality is concerned, what matters is not whether I like a belief or how sincere I am in believing it, but whether or not the belief is true. So going back to this idea of epistemology, uh, we want to be mindful of what is and then eventually get to what ought to be. Uh, and, and as I said earlier, the more, the better, the more tr truth we have about what is, the better equipped we're going to be to sort out what ought to be. Does that make sense? The, the studio audience is nodding, yes. So I'm very <laughs> grateful. So. All right. So uh, here's an interesting thing. If you look back in the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, there were a lot of things that were said by some of the early leaders, Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, others, uh, where they really had a high view of truth. And uh, one of the quotes that, uh, that really caught my attention, it's actually, uh, uh, you can go, I, I'm, I'm including in the, uh, where you can find it online, in the actual handwriting. Uh, but one of the things that Joseph Smith said is, one of the great fundamental principles of Mormonism is to receive truth let it come from whence it may. And I, I would say, thank you, Joseph Smith. Let's do. Let's just do that. Let's look at truth no matter where it comes from. And that's really kind of what is informing this, this exercise as we go through this thought process of introducing Christianity to Latter-day Saints. Uh, actually, there are two. I say two. It's actually three. There are uh, three questions that we can ask about any truth claim made by anybody, made by a Latter-day Saint, made by a Muslim, made by a, a, a New Testament Christian, uh, made by anybody. Uh, there, are th there are three questions, actually. And um, uh, so, uh, okay, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mixing up another part of the presentation. Uh, two questions about competing truth claims we can ask. What are the differences and which truth claims are actually true? 
And so how I know, well, first of all, what are the differences? It's really important. You know, Dan, you mentioned a lot of times uh, there is a desire for us to be able to say, well, we're all kind of believing the same thing when that isn't really true. So we want to focus on what is objectively true. What is it that, what are, what are the doctrines, if you will, of, of Latter-day Saint, of the LDS Church, and what are the doctrines that come out of the Bible? Uh, so we want to know what the truth is. And how do we get there? Well, I just said, are we going to talk about church-originated uh, documents or, or doctrines, or are we going to talk about documents that are emerging from the Bible? Where, where, what is the epistemology for that? I just wanted to kind of cover that as well. Um, are, are Latter-day Saints Christians? This goes back to the comment Dan made. Uh, I would say in the history of the uh, 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 Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, decidedly not. There is a huge difference. As a matter of fact, the whole idea of the startup of the LDS Church is said to have come from a vision that Joseph Smith had. And in that vision that Joseph Smith is, is uh, speaking to, uh, God tells him, Joseph Smith, that the gospel needs to be restored because there's been a great apostasy. And what does he mean by great apostasy? Well, in, in the actual experience of Joseph Smith at the time, that meant Methodists and Presbyterians and Baptists. Those were the three denominations, Protestant denominations in his area where he lived. And what the first vision, the, the, the idea of the first vision that he talks about in one of the versions of the first vision is that uh, God said that all of these creeds are an abomination. And so, and so the fact that the, the, church, the, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints actually started out on the premise that everybody else is wrong. So that tells you right away that we don't want to get too sloppy about saying that we're all on the same page. Uh, as Nancy mentioned, uh, terminology, we'll get to that. And in fact, I'll, I'll cover it briefly here. But when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about God, when we talk about Scripture, all these different things, the definitions are entirely different. Objectively, I'm not just saying that as my opinion. Objectively, you can see the text of how these term, terms are defined, and they are different. Uh, obviously, the scriptures are different in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, there are four works. Uh, there's the Book of Mormon, the Doctrines and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, and then also the Bible. And I say, and then also the Bible, because the Bible is thought of as lesser than those other three uh, of the standard works. Um, uh, missionaries are sent to Christian homes <laughs> to convert them. <laughs> so there is, there is a difference. Uh, and, um, uh, and the idea of baptism, uh, what baptism does, what it says, how it uh, works uh, is different. And the idea of priesthood is different. The New Testament idea is that we have the priesthood of all believers. And in the Latter-day Saint uh, concept, that is not the case. Cover more about that later. I'm just saying there are some basic things we want to keep in mind that there are, there are differences. Uh, how uh, how uh, they articulate about God, who God is, who Jesus Christ is, uh, the Trinity, which was already mentioned, uh, salvation, uh, just humanity, who, you know, what, what does it mean to be a human being? What is our origin? Where do we come from? Uh, uh, that's different in, in the LDS uh, system. Even the notions of heaven and hell are different. So it's not helpful to uh, be too quick to say, you know, we're all just on the same page. It's better for us to really work through some of these things. And in the book that we're uh, basing this on, the book by... Um, Eric Johnson, he has in the introduction, you can't see the tables very well, uh, but the doctrine of uh, the nature of God, Mormonism, uh, Heavenly Father has a flesh and bones, whereas in evangelical Christianity, God the Father is a spirit. Jesus is the firstborn of the heaven, Heavenly Father. He didn't exist before he was born. And in uh, evangelical Christianity, Jesus is fully God, as God, he always existed. As a human being, he was born. But as God, he, was al he always existed. The Trinity, we'll get into the Trinity a little bit later in uh, our series. Salvation, we'll talk about that. Humanity, 
uh, in, in Mormonism, all people are commanded to repent by successfully keeping the commandment of God. In uh, evangelical Christianity, original sin came through the disobedience of Adam, tainting all people and preventing a relationship with God, requiring redemption uh, on the part of Jesus Christ. So um, the, 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 uh, the terminology is different. Uh, what is a church? We, ha we have an understanding as a, as a New Testament uh, idea of church, what a healthy church looks like. Um, it's a whole lot different than how the, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ is organized, how its polity, its governance, uh, it looks a whole lot different. Any questions on any of that? That's just a flyby to kind of give us an idea of some of the topics we're going to cover. All right. Um, so uh, here's, a, here's a question about what is, and the question is, are more and more people leaving the LDS Church? And uh, the numbers are in. The answer is yes. More and more people are leaving the LDS Church. Now, to be fair, uh, we have, there are a lot of people leaving religion, to call it that, across the board, uh, not just the LDS Church. Uh, and we can talk about how that might look different in evangelical circles, but I don't think it's helpful to, to, to like, you know, argue with statistics, but it's safe to say that there is a drop in the LDS church, drop in activity, drop in involvement, uh, drop in membership. Uh, there are a lot of people uh, in the LDS church who uh, are really not accepting the basic truth claims of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and so on, and that, and that the LDS church is the one true church. They're not really accepting those claims, but they stay in for a whole lot of reasons, including some of the things that Bob and I, Robert and I talked about in terms of cultural uh, and just their whole life uh, to, to sort of wrest themselves away from the, the LDS church. It would be like trying to pull a branch off a tree. Uh, and, uh, and so it's really very difficult. But yes, there is a drop-off. There's a, a big drop in, in growth in the United States and, uh, uh, and, and actually some decline. And uh, part of it, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of things associated with that, which I'll cover in a minute, but that's just the starting point. Yes, there is a drop-off. Dan, did you have Question something? For you. Yeah. What promoted the spike in about 1985 to 1980? It, it, was, it was basically uh, a, a consistent, if you look, this is like a line that goes up. It's not so much that this is a spike, it's that it turned and started to come down. The, 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 those, are just, those are just data points. The, data the, points. the line averages them out. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, right, right around here, we have a decline in what happened uh, in the in in, in the, from about 19 well starting in 1980 but really starting full on in about 1990 uh, and on it's called three words internet <laughs> and uh, and that that is, has created access to a lot of information it's not the only reason that that line is there but it's it's a big reason there are some other demographic reasons. Uh, Mormons uh, tr traditionally uh, had large families. They're now having smaller families. There are fewer converts. There are fewer missionaries. And the ones that are going out on missions are coming back early. Many of them are coming back early, over 30% coming back early. Um, and so they're not completing their missions. And there's just more resignations uh, from the church. So we can ask the question, why are di people disbelieving the LDS church? And what this really is asking is, um, is there, is, you know, what, what's really the phenomenon? And there's two words that can describe that, and that's faith crisis. Um, in fact, uh, you know, sometimes when, when I'm interacting with, with folks and, talk, and talking to uh, Latter-day Saints and others, if, if I'm talking to a faithful temple-worthy, believing, active Mormon. That's an entirely different conversation than anybody else. And part of the reason is because most LDS folks are not full-on, fully believing all the claims of the church, um, fully believing uh, uh, that uh, the, the whole regime about exaltation and, and getting to the highest heaven, they're just, they're just, there's a, just some discomfort with that. They're questioning that. So we have a range of full-on, active, faithful, temple-worthy Latter-day Saints. 
And then we have a whole, sort of a whole range that starts with questioning LDS members to those who are uh, really out mentally, but staying in for cultural reasons, family reasons, job reasons, just, just PTSD reasons. I mean, it's a huge shock to try to pull yourself out of, 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 of the, just being living in that surrounding. So you have, to go back, you have questioning, you have uh, those who are mentally out, and sometimes they stay in, so we say they're physically in, mentally out, PIMO, P-I-M-O. And then you have those who are in the process of leaving or who have left. And the conversation with everyone else is different than the conversation with a faithful active, temple-worthy uh, LDS member. Uh, and, so, uh, and so I want to talk, talk about this group. Uh, I'm, I'm for, for tonight and for this series, I'm going to leave this group over here with the, in the hands of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I want to talk about this group because this is a group that we can have a conversation with. This is this group. So... Uh, what about this idea of a faith crisis? Why are, uh, there, why are so many uh, Latter-day Saints in this other larger group, ranging from questioning to completely out? And a, lo uh, and a lot of it has to do with, uh, when, I, when I had the, uh, the, 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 the timeline up here, uh, in, in, uh, the, in about from about 2010 to about 2014, uh, there became a real... Uh, problem with people discovering a lot of things uh, on the internet, uh, but in other ways too, but on the internet, finding things that Mormon study scholars have known all along, uh, but they weren't popularly known in the church. And uh, things about the, the Joseph Smith and polygamy and, 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 and things to do with uh, the, the Mountain Meadows Massacre and just a lot of things in the history and a lot of documents that were, were kept under wraps that were starting to come out. And so they have a faith crisis that actually originated from the church. And the reason it originated from the church is because in order to deal with that, the, the LDS church had to make a change of policy. Instead of hiding all this information and trying to keep it from the rank-and-file members, they wrote some essays explaining, yes, Joseph Smith was a, was a uh, you know, treasure seeker. Yes, he was a polygamist. Yes, some of the, some of the uh, women that he married were already married to other men. And yes, and, and, and a lot of other uh, 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 things that, that a lot of people weren't taught coming up through uh, primary and, and uh, seminary and, and institutes, the educational system for uh, young uh, uh, Latter-day Saints. They weren't taught those things, so they were published in the Gospel Topics Essays on the official LDS Church website. And they weren't advertised, they weren't you know, like promoted, but people could find them if they were looking for them. And they, and they, and they admitted a lot of things that had been denied for, for 100, over 100 years. Uh, what does that do? That creates a faith crisis because so many people are saying, wait, I feel betrayed. You've taught me this all my life, and now you're telling me something different. Uh, and so that's, that's a, that's a that, when I talk about this group, from questioning to all the way out, this is one of the things that they, that they had, had to deal with. Um, besides the gospel topic essays, uh, there, there are a whole lot of other uh, websites, uh, that some put up by Brigham Young University, others, uh, uh, Joseph Smith Papers, that are historical documents that, 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 that anybody could find their way to now if, if they wanted to really research it. And so it's the same thing as the gospel topics essays. Another problem that, uh, that people have had is the patriarchal author authoritativeness. Um, uh, the, the, the LDS church is, is managed by a gerontocracy. Uh, 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 you know, you, you look at a picture and it's a bunch of old white males, you know, and, and uh, really old white males. In fact, to become higher, you have to outlive the person next to you. Uh, and so, uh, and, and, and from that is, a, is an authoritativeness that, that, that goes right down through to the, to the ward and can cover a lot of life. And level of a sort of patriarchal tameness. Social issues, whether it has to do with gender issues, whether it has to do with same-sex issues, um, things that 
we, 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 we deal with in, in uh, any Bible-believing uh, church, uh, but these are things that, um, frankly, the, the LDS Church has, has handled with kind of in a ham-handed manner. They've been kind of hard, hard-nosed about it, and they've, they've uh, alienated a lot of people that way. And then just doctrinal inconsistencies, uh, you know, things that were held out as doctrine, whether it's what we call the Adam-God theory or uh, the... Uh, uh, atonement uh, doctrine or a lot of things that came out of Brigham Young's time. They were official doctrine and, and Brigham Young even said at one point, if I speak it's scripture, I mean, you know, it was, it, and so an open canon means that these things were considered every bit as scripture as the standard works. But then over the years, they kind of started to downplay some of those things and some topics like the role of African Americans or any kind, anyone with African blood, uh, their 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 ability to to advance th uh, through the the priesthood uh, uh, levels within the Mormon Church was denied uh, until just 19, I believe, it was 1978, and so and so uh, uh, those who were taught that. That, that people have black skin because they messed up in, in the pre-mortal world, in the spirit world, and, and so that's kind of their punishment or their mark or whatever, which is just a horrific uh, doctrine. Uh, but that's what was taught. And then all of a sudden it's, not, it's taught not, it's, it's not that anymore. And, 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 and what does that do? Well, we're glad to see them make a change, but at the same time for faithful uh, folks, LDS members, it's like, okay, you got did God get it wrong back then? Did you know when Brigham Young spoke for God? Was did God change his mind, or should we just scratch what Brigham Young had to say? Um, and then, like any church, any organization, uh, any job, uh, any company, any any corporation, uh, any community of any kind, there are personality differences and personal differences. And, you know, that just happens. So uh, when, I, when I say, why are people having a faith crisis? People can become an atheist because their spiritual authority or pastor or preacher or whatever uh, said something that just didn't, they didn't get or they didn't understand, it didn't make sense to them, and they just said, I'm out of here. You know, and, and a lot of it's just a personality conflict. So let's, let's just, you know, okay, let's grant that. Let's not, let's not uh, pretend that that doesn't happen. Uh, for LDS as well. So, any questions on faith crisis? All right. So, here's a question that you probably know the answer to. What faith systems are usually adopted by ex-LDS members? Take a guess. Atheism. Who said that? Christiana, thank you. Uh, yeah, atheism. Agnosticism at best, but the agnosticism is just soft atheism. Um, there have been a lot of different studies, some are older than others. Uh, one pie chart that was published a few years back uh, showed uh, those who left the LDS church, 27% um, nothing in particular, 21% uh, just Christian, sort of generic, I'm just Christian, you know, I, I don't always know what that means. Uh, atheist proper, 6%, uh, atheist uh, uh, agnostic, 12%. So at least this much, at least this much, uh, is there's no faith in God at all, no sense of God uh, being the sovereign Lord and creator of the universe uh, at all. And then some of these you can pick apart uh, and 10% become evangelical Protestant. So uh, I call that, in fact, in the, some of the nutshells of the podcast that uh, we're doing at Transition to Hope, I call that the big flip. Uh, because uh, folks uh, are uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, and you would, you would think logically, okay, if I'm having trouble with this church's articulation of who Jesus is, uh, maybe I could, you know, look a little closer, for example, at the Bible, which is the book that talks the most about Jesus, and really dig in and get to know about Jesus. Uh, that would kind of make sense. But of course, that's not what has happened. What has happened, they've flown right past any notion of New Testament or evangelical or gospel-based. When I say gospel in this, I'm talking about New Testament gospel. Got to be careful. That's one of those terms that Nancy was mentioning because gospel in LDS world means, means uh, uh, really basically means rules, means law, uh, means following uh, a, a behavior system. Uh, Enhanced by Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, so 
uh, but they, they go right back, the, right, fly right past what the New Testament has to offer and go into a, a atheism or agnosticism. And, uh, and like I said, that's, that's why uh, we have a, a, a nutshell podcast called Big Flip. All right. So here's a question. Well, I kind of answered it. Why do uh, so many former LDS saints become atheists? Uh, why do they cancel that uh, 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 idea of God? It's actually pretty logical. It's actually pretty logical. It makes good sense. I kind of don't blame them. If, 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 if you're not relying upon the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and you're just trying to sort these things out with human logic and you've been taught by your church that you're leaving or questioning your church that uh, uh, the, the, the Bible is the word of God as far as it is translated correctly, but the Book of Mormon is the word of God. That, that's exactly what the Articles of Faith state. It's in the Pearl of Great Price. Uh, so, so there is an immediate So if you distrust the Bible, if you've been uh, sort of put off by a patriarchal church system, so you don't trust the church, uh, you don't trust spiritual authority, because it keeps changing all the time, uh, and, and it started out with you know, spiritual authority, things like polygamy and some other issues that just you really question, uh, so if you have some distrust of spiritual uh, authority, if the language that's using, like the word gospel or Jesus Christ or anything else, if the language gets all muddled when you try to sort it out by looking at the Bible, and even a distrust of truth. As Robert, as you were saying, or, or uh, uh, Fred was saying, uh, if, if you have an emphasis on feeling, if that's your source, if that's your, if that's your primary dominant epistemology, uh, then, then you, you, no wonder you would get to a point with saying, you know, I'm not so sure my feelings have helped me out, and I've seen a lot of other people follow their feelings and do a lot of damage. Robert? It's a very legalistic system with a lot of rules that you can't possibly live up to, and so it's almost certain failure, and when you realize that the church itself has been lying to it, you lose all trust and you can't make it anyway. You know, they, they, they lose all of God, the whole system. They can't be promoted in it because it's the hierarchy is like this. And if anybody's moving up, they'll change the rules because they have no hope like we have that your sins are forgiven and you can still get to heaven. They, they've got to earn their way to heaven and they can't feel they can get there. They couldn't even advance to priesthood in their church. So that's why this series and this podcast is called Transition to Hope, is that we want to compassionately, thoughtfully, uh, with, with an emphasis on truth-telling, with an emphasis on asking the good questions that help people sort things out and, and ask themselves, where am I getting my truth? Because if I know where I'm, if I know where I'm getting my truth, that's going to help me have a sense of, well, what is it that I really have? now that I have something that's called truth. Uh, and so everything you're saying is true, but everything you're saying uh, it, it calls for compassion and empathy and gentleness and love uh, because, uh, uh, because uh, I think you and I both might come from a similar background where it's human nature uh, to, to, to try to earn our favor with God. It's human nature. When I screw up, I want to make it right with God. That's my natural reaction. Gee, God, I'm sorry. What can I do to, you know, like make this up? Well, that's the opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all. There's nothing I can do. Uh, I mean, you go all the way back and look at Abraham, who is, who is held up as a person of great faith. And my goodness, the man screwed up every time he turned around. It's like he couldn't get it right. He couldn't put one foot in front of the other without messing it up. And he held out as a giant of faith. Why? Because in the midst of all that wrongdoing, he understood God is sovereign. And God, I, I am going to rely upon God for my, for my trust and for my faith.
That's and 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 so so I want to feel I want to feel great empathy for any whether it's it's Mormon whether it's those in a, in a Catholic tradition who are trying to follow the rules and get it right I love people who are trying to get it right whether it's Muslims uh, whether it is a, more of a fundamentalist type of Christian who you know there there has to hair has to be a certain way their dress has to be certain wear a certain tie I mean it's very similar to Mormonism actually frankly. And it's, 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 it's matched up with a dependence upon Jesus. And what the gospel says, you know what, you, you got nothing, so don't worry about it. Just trust Jesus. And that's a, that's a really difficult sort of uh, bridge to, 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 to bridge that, that gap between relying on, I'm going to get it right, to relying upon Jesus. So thank you for that. Does somebody else? Yeah, go ahead. You got me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I find this with people even under bad teaching, you know, in, in general, when the storms of life come and, and they're relying on something that's not based on the true uh, uh, word of God, um, they get frustrated and they walk away. Right. And, and sometimes they come back, uh, sometimes they don't. Yep, that's right. Yep, we've got to keep that in mind. All right. Uh, how to love a Mormon. Oops. How to love a Latter-day Saint. Um, Jesus asked for water. Jesus ate with sinners. When he ate with sinners, reading in there where he started out, said, before we break bread, I just, you just got to understand. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. You, are, you got it wrong. You're going to hell. He didn't start that way. He ate with sinners. And so we want to... I mean, I, and how many have worked with, with LDS, uh, members of the LDS Church? I have, uh, I'm, you know, just, I have the highest regard and highest respect uh, for the LDS folks that I've, some are uh, 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 reorganized, so it's uh, Community of Christ. Um, but uh, that's, that's how you start out by having, having lunch, basically, having a relationship. Asking for water or having water, breaking bed. Let them have their journey. This is the toughest part. This is the one I learned. I was out in, uh, in Salt Lake City a couple of months ago. I was meeting with some other uh, uh, people, who, uh, brothers and sisters, who are in a similar kind of, uh, of uh, thought process, reaching out to those who are in a faith crisis in, in, uh, as, as they're struggling with their Mormon background. And... Uh, and, and and it's, it's a little bit like Jesus not starting out at the uh, well uh, talking about uh, theological differences. Um, back off. Let them have their journey. Uh, trust God. We trust God. We trust the, the Holy Spirit. We, we, we understand that salvation is a gift. And when we throw ourselves in the pathway of somebody who is just trying to navigate through life, and they happen to have, the only roadmap they happen to have is their LDS religion, and they're just trying to navigate themselves through life, we don't want to do a full-on body tackle and knock them off the path and shove, I mean, maybe the Holy Spirit would lead us to do that once in a while, but that's not a good starting point. Let them have their journey, because if I'm on their journey with them, then I'm there when they reach that faith crisis they're going to look around, oh, there I am. I have a relationship. They can ask me a question. And they can ask me to give an account for the hope. And what does it say in, in 1 Peter 3.15? Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. It doesn't say always start out the conversation. It says wait till they ask. An answer doesn't happen until there's a question. Yes? Right. You earn their trust. It's That's exactly they right. They're not going to listen to what you have to say and believe your words right. if they don't trust you. That's exactly right. Thank you. That's really, really great. Thank you so much. So that's the tough one. Let them have their journey. I'm still learning that. Because my, my first reaction, if I'm dealing with somebody who is you know, struggling in a faith crisis, my first reaction is jump in the middle of it and start throwing out Bible verses. Uh, and, and I need to... Let them have their journey. Like you say, let me have fellowship with them. Let me have a relationship with them. And allow that opportunity to arise. Okay. Learn from them. Learn their 
journey. I was saying a little earlier, there's no, there's no single cookie-cutter idea of an LDS member. There's no such thing. Everybody's different. We're all different. So learn from them. Learn their journey. I also talked about how there's various levels of, of understanding of doctrines you know, at, the, at the sort of uh, foot soldier level. They don't have, if you ask a lot of folks who uh, go to a, a, a Mormon chapel or, or a part of a ward, and you said, could you explain you know, blood atonement to me? I mean, they, they might have heard about it, and they know it's not a good thing. <laughs> um, uh, but you might find somebody else who could explain, yeah, here's what, here's what Brigham Young meant when he said that, and here's what he meant by the Adam-God theory, that Adam was actually God. And, you know, so learn from them, learn their journey. Um, be there, just be there, kind of what you were saying. Just be available. And then celebrate our common values. We don't have common theology, let's not pretend we do. We do have a lot of common values. Let's celebrate that. You know, a, a lot of Latter-day Saints have a very high respect for God. Let's celebrate that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Let's celebrate that. A lot of Latter-day Saints have a very high respect for life. Let's celebrate that. And, and, uh, and, and celebrate our common values. And then when the opportunity presents itself, use the word of God as bread, not as a brick. And, and, uh, and so that's, that's, you know, if I could sort of you know, move toward the end with, with that in, in mind, I'd really appreciate it. I already talked about uh, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and I encourage you to look at John 4 uh, to see how that works. Understand, as we always do, understand that even if you are as empathetic and gentle and, and fellowshipy and, uh, you know, friendly and, and compassionate, when it comes to talking about the gospel... The gospel is an offense. So don't, don't think you're going to manage the reaction because you're not going to manage the reaction. The gospel is an offense. It's up to the Holy Spirit to work that through in that person's heart. You can't do it. They have to do it. But the Holy Spirit has to do it. So, so if they react you know, to be offended, well, yes. That's, that's to be expected. Uh, and also the gospel requires a defense. I already talked about that with uh, 1 Peter 3.15. Uh, uh, and so, and, and I, the, the verse that I mentioned about the gospel being a offense uh, is 1 Corinthians 1.18 and the, the verse that I mentioned uh, about 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3.15. And the slides, I, I, you know, make available, I'm making available the slides and um, you'll notice I have both the King James Version and the English Standard Version um, because it's important to me that our Latter-day Saints uh, friends understand the King James and the ESV and the NASB and the NIV and all the other Vs, uh, they all, all the, all the ones we, that are, are understood to be good translations, they're all translating the same original documents. And so, uh, and so it's not a telephone game where you first you had, you know, Aramaic or Greek, and then you had Latin, and then you had whatever, and then you had English, uh, King James Version, and then you had, you know, RSV, and then you had this. It's not a telephone game where you had all these. No, all of these other ones went all the way back to the original manuscripts, and you can do that today. You know, we'll talk about that later. But you can today, you can look right at the Greek. You look at this, we call it the Strong's number. The, the, uh, the number is assigned to every word in the Bible in Greek and in Hebrew. And you can study that word. You can study that phrase. You can study that verse. You can study that passage. And so I, I list both because uh, uh, I don't I don't want to uh, promote this idea that the King James Bible is somehow uh, more credible than ESV, which is easier to understand. So okay, uh, the other thing quickly is to expect blowback. As I already said at the beginning. Uh, uh, LDS uh, folks have too often not had a good experience with with Christians, um, and there wasn't been, there hasn't been a lot of gentleness gentleness or a lot of respect. The word of God has been used as a brick instead of bread, and um, an attempt to persuade, not just explain. 
you know, when you try to persuade somebody of the gospel, the New Testament gospel, I have to keep saying that, the New Testament gospel, when you try to do that, what are you doing? Well, you're stepping on the toes of the Holy Spirit. We present, we proclaim, we explain, but we, it's not our job to persuade. It's not our job to, to muscle them around the barn and close the deal. Uh, and, and too many LDS members have felt like that's what Christians have been trying to do to them. So they've focused on the ought without even starting with what the is is. So sometimes find, sometimes find Latter-day Saints sometimes find it difficult to avoid a spirit of contention. And in even their Book of Mormon, it calls upon them to not have a spirit of contention, just as it does in the Bible. But it calls upon and they have a hard trouble a time following even that because Christians have been uh, a little hard-shelled. Okay, I'm going to fly past a couple of other things just uh, get, to get right down to the to last part. Be prepared to listen and learn and speak. The three more, here was the three questions, three most important questions that you can ask a Latter-day Saint or anybody with a truth claim is, what do you mean when you say so-and-so? Whether it's Christ or gospel or heaven or exaltation, what do you mean? And then what do you believe about that? So when you say what do you mean, they kind of give you a definition, but what do you believe about that? It gives them a chance to kind of unpack it for you. And then how did you arrive at your belief about so-and-so? And what is that? That's, an epist that's kind of called street epistemology. Uh, it's it's a, a way, a very simple way of having a productive conversation instead of knocking heads and saying, well, I believe this, and this is what the Bible says, and this is what Mormon says, and, blah, 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 and you're not getting anywhere except apart from each other. All right. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I've watched some interviews online with, uh, it was interviews of students from Brigham Young University, mm. and when the students are asked pretty challenging questions, although uh, they're, they're just questions about uh, Latter-day Saint theology and beliefs, they typically just referred to whatever the school believes. So instead of yeah. citing uh, documents or anything like that, they just say, uh, they just agree with whatever um, the church elders or the, the school believes. Yeah. And I was wondering if uh, that's something common that you run into as well, and how do you navigate those conversations? So that's a great question. Um, in my limited experience, I have run into it. I've seen others run into it. Uh, what they have done, and you you, you got to understand, they've been they've they've been going since primary. They've been taking an extra class all through their their uh, high school years called seminary. They take an extra religion class, and in college they take an extra course called institutes. Uh, and so they've been they've been catechized, if you will, all this time. But if you look at those materials, they don't really draw from even the Book of Mormon. It's just, like you say, it's, this is what the, it's called correlated. This is, this is what the authors have written, and the church has approved it, and that's it. So what have they done? They have outsourced their epistemology. They have outsourced their epistemology. And so I guess, you know, what, the, what our task is in that case is to help them understand that and say, well, how about if we pick a topic and look at some of the underlying foundational documents? Would you be willing to do that? I, I, we could look at the Standard Works, look at the Book of Mormon, look at the Doctrine and Covenants. Let's look at the Joseph Smith history. Let's look at the New Testament. Uh, and, and, you know, it's like, we well, got all this over here. And also, let's look at the New Testament. And, uh, and, and what, of course, what, what we know to be true is that uh, when you start digging into some of those documents, uh, they lack the corroboration with reality and with historical evidence and with archaeological evidence. And, uh, you know, there, there's a whole evidentiary case that we'll actually talk about in one of our uh, upcoming uh, uh, sessions. I hate saying sessions. It sounds like you know psychology or something, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that. But yeah, they, they've outsourced their epistemology, and so really you're not you're not in a position of really talking about anything doctrinal or theological. You got to talk about epistemology. <laughs> it's the starting point. So so thanks for that, Benjamin. It's a great question. All right. So next uh, week, 
uh, we're going to do uh, the Bible, God's special revelation, and we're going to look at how the Bible is sort of lowered down in its authoritativeness in uh, the Mormon tradition and how it's, it's elevated in, in the Reformed tradition. Uh, so you have the restored uh, tradition and you have the Reformed tradition. You have to... So we'll look at that. And then, uh, and then uh, in the following weeks, we'll, we'll work down through. If you have the book, next week we'll be doing chapter one. And, uh, uh, and we'll go from there. The, the, the idea, remember, as you're looking at it, as you're reading it, is our focus here is not those who are faithful, active, temple-worthy, full, fully believing Latter-day Saints uh, because we've got a big mission field with all of those who are in a faith crisis. And we can come along in love and be there for those who are in faith crisis. So what we want to do is... We want to participate in a conversation where someone finds themselves turning back to God, especially if they become atheists, and, and focused on truth. Any closing questions, thoughts, comments, anything before we wrap up? I'm sorry I ran a little long, uh, but I appreciate uh, everyone being here, and I appreciate those online who are watching, and uh, that you'll subscribe uh, 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 for uh, Transition to Hope. Uh, so that you'll be able to follow these as they come out over the next two, few weeks. So, any other questions? All right. Well, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next week, and we'll take it from there. Thank you very much. Thank you.